Whether it be in the New South Wales Ranges, Riverside in the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, hunting camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. I'm your host Craig Hales. Firstly, I'd just like to thank everyone for the support so far. Uh, it's great, been a great reception on social media. Um, this is something very new for me. It's uh, certainly stepping out of my comfort zone. I, um, I do uh, talk to people for my line of work day in, day out, but uh, putting a microphone in front of me is, uh, is something certainly very different, And um, but I'm hoping to to grow myself and uh, and hopefully grow this podcast and, and a platform for for us Aussies. Um, I think it'll be, I think it's a great thing, and um, yeah, I want to share it with with everyone and and I uh, appreciate all the all the feedback and things like that that I can get, and um, I'll try and do the best I can at all times. So I just want to you know thank everyone so far. Uh, today, first up, we've got um, a great guest by the way of Matty Moore from Coyuga Adventures. Um, Matty's a, a passionate bow hunter, uh, loves the bush, and um, you know he's got a lot of experience for his age. He's uh, he's been there and done a lot of things. So um, the episode is uh, is recorded by Skype, so that it's a little bit crackly in a few places. But um, I really hope someone or everyone can just get something out of it, and um, and we'll go from there. So um, here we go, Matty Moore from Cayuga Adventures. All right, Matt, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks, mate. So um, I know we've been trying to line up this for a, for a little while. It's a bit hard when you're in northern Queensland. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit remote. It gets a bit hard sometimes. I reckon you've been lighting a few fires. I see that. Yeah, mate. Yeah, that's sort of I mean, you get the start of the year up there. It's early season burning on the station. Protect it from wildfire. Um, yeah, in the late part of the year when you get lightning strikes and they start up wild fires and yeah, sort of burn places out. So we burn the grass at the start of the year and uh, yeah, hopefully burn the fuel so the wildfire isn't so big and we can handle it. Yeah, right, yeah. And it, that sort of helps with regrowth and that kind of stuff too, like feed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you get a bit of green pick because you've, you've burned it out in the early season, so there's still a bit of moisture and um, growth there left in the grass from the wet, and you get the green pick that comes through. Okay. And um, yeah, regrowth for oh, it isn't so so good on the saplings and and whatnot, but you stagger it each year. Yep. And um, it helps thin it out. So. Oh, very good. Well, mate, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, obviously, a man that does a few kilometres a year, but um, what's home? What do you do? Apart from guiding people, um, what do you do for yourself? Yeah, so I come from uh, the Hunter Valley, New South Wales. Um, I'm a boiler maker by trade. My old man has a fabrication shop and dummy trade underneath him. And when it was time to leave, I sort of wanted to always go north. And yeah, I was lucky enough to find a position in Cape York. Um, yeah, so I lived there sort of eight months of the year now and yeah do the early season burning um, 
fight fires at the end of the year and in between guides and bow hunters. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me, I reckon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a real good life. Like, as you said, a lot of Ks on the road, travelling back and forth, but no, nah, it's good. I've got a tower boat, 4.8 side console behind me, and yeah, do a bit, bit of fishing on the way, and yeah, it's good. There's a few dams on the big dams on the way up there, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's my plan this year. Is I've never done much barra fishing in dams, so on the way home, if I get away before Christmas a bit, I'll um, yeah, pull into the dams on the way home and see if I can pick up a few barra. Good stuff. You also had a pretty good rut this year too. I've seen a uh, pretty good stag come through on the on social media there. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, he was pretty good. I'm pretty happy with him. He was sort of I'm hunting the block there for three weeks and um, seen a few reds, but nothing mature. Oh, I sort of seen a stag there early, early rut, but it was only a silhouette. We knew he had tops, but we never, ever got to see him again. Um, definitely wasn't a stag that I shot, but you know, it was a good hunt, sort of. Um, I was hunting with Brad, and he sort of seen him three days earlier and actually drew back on him. But he it wasn't sort of the stag he was after, and he left him. And three days later, we found him in a different valley, bedded down. And I stalked in 20 yards and waited for him to stand. And as he stood, gave out a roar and, yeah, sort of put a good shot in there and he only went 50 yards. Beautiful. That was a great photo too. It, it looked like you were up in the, right up in the hills. It looked awesome. Oh, mate, it was steep. Like, he, he rolled a fair way down. And I was actually pretty lucky because where he ended up, uh, one his head was one side of a hollow log and he was... Uh, but was the other, and if he was sort of oh, six foot to the left, his head would have went straight in, in the hollow log and wouldn't have been able to get him out, and he would have wedged himself in there. So, but, <laughs> it's, uh, amazing. it's amazing <laughs> where they can fall sometimes. Oh, mate, like, yeah, in that country, and for such a big animal where, where they are and what they can do, yeah, it was great. I was over the moon. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, mate, obviously you are, you run Koyuga Adventures and um, and a few other things. Um, tell us a little bit about yeah. the background story of Koyuga and where the name come from. And Oh, yeah, well, so the first is uh, the Koyuga Broadhead. So there was – I had a sickie off work one day and wanted to get some more broadheads and I always wanted um, a head cord or by the name of Black Sun. But I couldn't get hold of them and I couldn't find another head that the feral went all the way to the tip. So it started out of a, a sickie off work and trying to find some broadheads but couldn't get hold of them. And then I had this brain um, yeah, brain phase and said, right, I'm going to make my own price it out to do it in the old man's fab shop. But just couldn't be. Yeah, it wouldn't be a, a good price to retail them at. So I had to go off overseas, obviously. Mm. And, um, yeah, so that's where the broadheads come from. But the, the name, uh, I was wondering what I was going to call these heads that I had on order. And I had a few mates around and we sort of were having oh, a fair few beers and I live on Cuyuga Road. And <laughs> we figured it, figured it out that it actually... 
stands for kill all your untamed game accurately, which <laughs> worked out pretty well. So that's where it come from. Perfect. That's awesome. I love that story. Yeah, no, it's a sort of, yeah, like that's what a lot of people are always ask me, how did you come up with that? And yeah, it was right in front of our noses all the time. We'll get onto those heads a little bit later, but um, obviously from that you you started Koyuga Adventures and and um, obviously I know the place, but you you operate that off out of Strathburn Station up in Cape York, Australia, um, you know far north Australia for anyone that's overseas listening. But um, you know it's quite a remote area. Tell us a little bit about Strathburn and um, you know what's involved in the station and a little bit of background on it. Okay, so like Strathburn. It has always been known to the hunting community as a, a place where you could go and uh, hunt feral pigs. Um, they were running rifle hunts on the on the place, but uh, yeah, the bloke who was doing that finished up there, and I was fortunate enough to get get the go ahead to run my own own business there, and I only do bow hunters there now, so that's pretty good. But Strathburn's a 600,000 acre cattle station. Uh, we've got three sides that actually have fences, boundary fences on it. Um, the other side is a GPS boundary fence. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's got everything that a hunter wants there. Sort of, we've got swamps, dams, water holes, um, to spring systems, dry creeks, like hundreds of kilometres of dry creeks. We've got the Holroyd River that runs through the place. Um, in the dry season, it doesn't doesn't flow, but it's got four river arms on it, which act as like a dry creek. You can walk them, which go into swamps again, and you've got big sand ridges for in the wet season where the pigs breed up on. So it's got everything that a hunter wants. Um, they're not just dams or not just dry creeks. Whatever you, yeah, we've got options every day wherever you go. So yeah, it's a pretty pretty handy spot. Definitely, and I mean, just to give people an idea, like you're you're obviously in town at the moment. How how long does it take you to to get to town? Like, give people a bit of an idea of actually how remote this country is. Uh, yeah. So um, it took me seven and a half hours just to get to Mariba uh, on Sunday, which is a five hundred kilometer journey. Um, but in that, we've got. Too. Yeah, pretty rough road. Like in some sections there, I could only do 40 to 50 kilometres an hour. Uh, corrugations, big dust holes, ruts. Yeah, it was yeah pretty pretty tedious. You sort of just got to poke along so you don't wreck any wreck your vehicle or wreck a trailer that you're towing. You know, so our driveway is 52 kilometres long, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a, get, a big it's place. Get like your head the Pardon? It's hard to get your hand around that. 52 kilometres on the driveway. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to get your head around it. Once you start driving around the place, it sort of comes all in perspective. Like, there's nothing to do sort of 150 kilometres a day I've been doing on the quad running light and fives, and then the other day I've done 200 k's on the quads, so, and I hadn't covered any of the place, really. Wow. So... Uh, that's that's awesome. Kind of jumping yeah. straight into it now, you know, from from obviously the hunters listening um, that 
that sort of haven't been up there, um, what sort of a typical day's hunting involves? Like what, um, from getting up in the morning, um, you know, what, what sort of a plan that's involved from you guys as a group? Yeah, right, so, yeah, so we sort of hunt uh, during the heat of the day in the dry season. We want them boars sort of bedded up in the creeks as it congregates them a lot more than trying to find them out in their feeding areas. So we sort of get up at oh, 7.30, 7, 7.30, you know, we're having breakfast, um, cook breakfast, get our gear together, a few shots at the target, and then get in the vehicles and head out. Um, if there's a bait close to the homestead, like a dead beast or um, a dead horse or something like that, we can hunt off. We'll definitely get up earlier and go check that out. But as for the, yeah, hunting in the heat, we try, try and leave about 8 o'clock at homestead. And some places there, depends on on what the day is or what the weather's doing. Like, we'll drive an hour out to our hunting ground for the day and we'll hunt hunt there. So have lunch out in the paddock and we'll hunt through until dark. Um, and, yeah, head home from there. Yeah. Get home back to the homestead. Uh, nice warm shower, cold beers, feeds getting cooked. Um, could be from coral trout and Spanish mackerel, which I've caught out on the reef um, prior to the hunters coming in to, yeah, lamb chops, steak, veggies, you know, all different kind of camp ovens. Sometimes we might have venison if we were lucky enough that we could have got hold of some before, before the hunters come in. So, yeah. I, yeah. Heard was, I heard there was a pretty good cooking camp last year. Yeah, yeah, Summers, he, he's a good bloke, but he's guiding this year, so he's he's in a big job. Yeah. So there'll be myself and myself and Ian Summers guiding and um, Brad Smith as well later on in the year. Yeah, you certainly got some pretty good help and experience there between them boys. So yeah, yeah, that well they've got they've got some really good good experience up their sleeve. So that's good. Definitely. What's um, just in looking at, um, you know, so talking about, you, you know, you've got a couple of baits or you might sort of do a creek walk and those kind of things. So what's sort of the average, you know, shot distance and stuff like that you, you would expect, you know, someone going up there, um, once again, hasn't been there before. But, uh, you know, what, what kind of scenarios would they expect? Yeah, well, look, a long shot up there is 30 yards. Um, your average shot would be 20. If you're walking a creek, a lot of the time when you spot the ball through your binos or bedded up underneath like an undercut bank or underneath a bit of grass or a log or a tree or something, when you've, when you've put eyes on that, that ball, you're usually in shooting distance. So you'll be 20, 20 yards, usually 25 yards. Um, on the baits, the same thing. So when I lay them out, I'll, I'll drag a bait when I can into a spot where we can get a 20-yard a shot or under. Yeah. Um, as in, yeah, I don't sort of like to shoot anything over 30. Just, it's, yeah, it's just a, a personal thing for me and I like me hunters to get nice and close because that's what bow hunting is all about. Yeah, definitely. With the, uh, you mentioned the baits and those kind of things. That's, um, you know, for people that don't know that, 
a lot of that's just feral management as well. You know, you've got wild cattle. There is wild horses and that kind of thing. So you do help out the property owners and the certain numbers and they've got, to, they've got to take for those kind of things. So that's what you use as bait. Yeah, yeah, we'll get a few, a uh, um, couple of feral horses or they'll be mustering and they, they'll get some deadies from some wild cattle that are in the yards and we'll use them and drag them out to uh, appropriate spots where there might be a creek where you know there's boars in the creek but it's too thick to hunt. So you use them baits to drag them them big old boars out into the open early morning and late afternoon. So, yeah, you can hopefully get a crack at them. Otherwise, it, yeah, some, some creeks there are just impossible to hunt with the bow. Definitely. And I mean, too thick, too noisy. Given the size of the country too, and, and obviously I've been fortunate enough to, to help Cape York a few times, but, you know, I think the biggest thing is is there's so much country there for, for those, you know, pigs to, to live in. You, you more or less need all the help you can get at some at sometimes, um, you know, using baits and things like that. And I've, I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to shoot off both, you know, walking creeks and, and use baits. And they're certainly as good as fun as each other, I think. Yeah, yeah, like I really enjoy walking the creeks and the baits help out with some um, if you're having a hard day on the creeks the wind might have like, destroyed all the stalks or whatnot and you know you've got a bait on the way home that we can get to and sit off and you know the pigs have been working it and sort of yeah as you said the country's that vast um you just sort of have to congregate them sometimes in different certain different areas of the of the place if you know what i mean like it's yeah <laughs> just big country it sure is, it sure is. And you, you do have to get there to, to experience it, like all kind of hunts, you know, um, New Zealand, overseas, the rest, you know, until you experience it yourself, it's it's a little bit hard to get your head around, but, you know, it's, it, it is great fun at the same time. Moving moving along to, yeah, yeah. to sort of gear, um, you know, we mentioned that you sort of, you're only up to, you know, like to sort of limit 30-yard shots and, and, you know, at some point they're five and ten yards. Um, you know, the pigs aren't always just broadside and, and those kind of things. You know, what, what sort of gear, you know, I know this has been talked about on, you know, in, in many different forms as far as, you know, forums and, and all those kind of things, but what do you like to see guys use? Yeah, so like a compound bow or traditional bow, it doesn't, doesn't matter as long as you can hit what you're aiming at. Consistently, accuracy is a big thing. Uh, so, yeah, like I know I I hunt with a 500 grain arrow and I shoot buffalo, um, scrub bulls, sort of deer, mountain boars, goats, you name it. That's the one one arrow setup that I use. But what I do like to see is a quality two blade broadhead up up the front. That's razor sharp. Um, that that's what's gonna the damage but with a two two blade broadhead these days there's a lot of one pieces out there and they're a great head they're unreal but with the 125s and the 150 grain models the cut the cut angle is i've found is too steep on them as in it's yeah like it's not a three it's more of a two and a half to one cut, cutting angle not a three to one sort of i found three to one to be the best so when them boars are bedded up in the creeks, because you seventy percent of your boars that are shot are bedded in the creek, I find that the back of the broadhead is hitting first on the ribs and skipping up the inside the skin and in between the ribs. 
and coming out the same side, not actually entering the en- engine room. Yep, yep. But I've bring actually, that. I've seen yeah. that personally as well in the hills. Actually, I've and it wasn't me shooting. Yeah. And it was, um, it, it's amazing, you know, how that can happen, but it does. And, and I know exactly where you're coming from. Just the, the steepness of that that angled cut, um, you know, especially on those angled shots. Um, you know, they're, they're absolutely lethal broadside. Um, but yeah, it's just something. Oh yeah. Certainly, sort of keep an eye on and. You know, um, I guess know your limitations with your gear as well. Yeah, yeah. Like three three blades do a, do a wonderful job, but again, when them bores are bedded and then re- the rib cage is closed up, you have to punch through bone. And I've seen seventy pound bows, five hundred fifty grain broadhead, uh, five hundred fifty grain arrow with a broadhead, three blade broadhead up front, and hit them ribs and just lock up with no penetration to the engine room and the pig gets up and trots off up the ridge and you never see him again, you know? Yeah. Um, he, obviously, he's he's been hit, but it's not a fatal shot. Yep, yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I recommend the two-blade two, a two blade broadhead with a three-to-one cutting. Yeah, it's certainly, certainly hard to beat the other <laughs> tried and proven many times again and you know as i said that and, and you, you said yourself there's a lot of decent quality heads out there and you know it's it comes down to confidence in your gear and, uh, and practice as well hitting that spot yep that's it accuracy is your your main tool there if you can hit the hit the target uh in a yeah very all consistently you'll um yeah you'll be all right but if, if you're trying to pull back too much poundage and you're getting tired and you can't group arrows. Well, you're sort of you're not doing yourself any favours. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. How many hunters? How many hunters that you got in camp at at one time? You sort of you, you limit the guys you got in like in, in one week or? Yeah, mate. Like we got um, from two to four. Four is the maximum I'll have in camp. Yep. If I've got a group of four, I'll run two guides. So myself will be guiding. And then I'll have Ian or Brad guiding. Um, you've got a hunting vehicle. So a guide and two two hunters have a vehicle to themselves for the day. And, yeah, so we've got limit, limits on how many weeks I do each year. Keep the hunt pretty pristine, you know. Um, yep. Yeah. That's no, good. I mean, it's at a, at a limit you've got to be able to manage it as well so people are getting the you know, the best quality hunt they can get as well, um, you know, which is obviously been proven after, you know, seeing some of the photos and that you got coming through the last year or so. So you definitely got something good happening. Yeah, mate, that's, a, that's what I strive for. I, I want to, um, yeah, hope, hope everyone enjoys their time that comes and shoots a few good quality boars. They might not have ever shot a, shot a, a good mature boar with, with tusks before, but... That, so that's what I'm sort of striving for, targeting them people that don't have that chance. Um, they might not have the access to the country to be able to do that. So that's sort of what, what I'm there for, you know. No, that's awesome. What's sort of the future holding for, um, for Cougar Adventures and, um, you know, sort of where do, you see it, where do you see it heading over the next couple of years? You're obviously continuing what you do well and um, you've got any sort of, Future plans? Yeah, look, um, I've got a sort of a 
five or six year plan at the moment to be a, at Strathburn. Um, just sort of trying to build build it up at the moment, um, build a portfolio. But we've also got some awesome Saratoga fishing there on Strathburn, and it's sort of never been tapped into. So at the moment, I'm sort of looking for a few boats that I can put in some water holes and maybe <clears throat> targets like have people that come up and want to go and catch a Saratoga because I was talking to the boys at King's Tackle World there yesterday and they were saying that there's not very many places around that just a father and son can go and catch a Saratoga because it's mostly on private land. Um, yeah. They're just a awesome prehistoric fish, you know. So that's sort of what I'm looking into um, at the moment. So, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know what a Saratoga looks like, they're like a Jurassic-looking fish. They, um, they look like they've been around for a million years, but they're one of the coolest-looking fish, I reckon. I, I would honestly say that I'd catch Saratoga over Barra. I know I'll get probably hammered for that, but um, I, I love the things. I think they're great. Yeah, well, I'm the same. I'm sort of going through a Saratoga phase at the moment, and that's what I'm targeting, like pulling some good-sized fish out, 600, 650 mil. Um, I know... Tommy Pilo last year coming up and he caught one that was 850. So we've got some big trophy fish there, big old fish. But yeah, they're to catch and release. So no, they're good fun. Yeah, definitely. And the fishing's sort of something you're doing a little bit in the downtime as well, in between hunts. So it's, um, you know, anyone that's obviously, most of us, I think, that, that are the hunters and bow hunters, um, you know, don't mind a bit, of a, a bit of a fish as well. So you certainly can do a bit of everything up there, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, on the lunch breaks, we usually pull up at a, a hole there and, I don't know, we'll, we could have a barbecue or um, we might have a pack lunch, but definitely there's if there's time there to have a fish as well. So and you get to experience the whole Cape, you know, like the Cape York experience. That's what I try and put forward. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. And obviously, you you mentioned the, the future of Cayuga, but uh, what about yourself? You got any any dream hunts here? You're planning, um, you know, whether it's Australia or or venturing abroad. Um, I I really want to go over the states and chase a muley around. Um, I don't know something about them. I I really like I, the videos I see and and watch. I really like the characteristics that. Uh, they have and the different terrains they they're in you know like you can go hunt them in the steep rocky mountains or you can go back out into the desert country and and hunt them as well so yeah muleys are high on my list and i also want to uh, target an elk like i suppose 95 percent bonus want to do one day so that's what i'm planning on when i can get around to it yeah, definitely. Be very careful on the elk, mate, because um, there won't be any time for Cape York if you get into um, to chasing elk, trust me. That's why I'm not seeing you this year, but, um, yeah, they're a bit of a bug, I tell you. Yeah, that, so, mate, that's you, it. You're, they're um, they're rutting in, in September, and that's basically my peak hunting time in the Cape. So one year I'll figure it out. If I can get around it, I might have Brad or Ian run the hunting camp for me while I'm away for two weeks and yeah see how I go there I'm sure we could sort something out 
<laughs> so just to, to give people a bit of an idea, um, you know, what's the time of year? You just mentioned September's peak time. What sort of roughly how many hunts you you're running per year, and um, you know, do you have any left for this year? And and uh, and moving forward to, to 2018. Yeah, look, I I sort of hunt from mid-August on to middle of October. Um, I run nine to ten weeks a year of hunters, so two to four each each week. You know, um, I've still got a, a couple of weeks left in September in the, the 2017, but it's probably one of your best times to hunt. Like the water hasn't fully dried up, but the heat's starting to get there and the wind stays very consistent uh, you don't have them build up storms yet so the wind's like blowing usually nor'easterlies and um yeah it just sort of stays nor'east for the for the whole day where you get back into that middle of october which the water's dried up it's sort of 40 degrees 45 degrees it's hot as but you get them build up storms and yeah the the wind swirls on you like you you could have a crack a day that the wind stays consistent but you do have a lot of hard time with that wind yeah definitely i think um i think that's honey in general isn't it but it especially seems to be bad if you you know you've only got one direction of creek or two directions of creek you can walk it's either up it or down it so if that wind's not playing in your favor it can make it for um you know very interesting very interesting hunting so yeah yeah, that that's it. Like that's why September is so good because most of our creeks run uh, east to west, and it's sort of blowing like northeasterly to an easterly. So you've got that wind wind happening where in October it can blow be blowing from south, southwest to north, northerlies. Yeah, it comes from everywhere. Yeah, but and in the, saying that, a little bit. Sorry, mate. Go ahead. No, nah, uh, but in saying that. The hunting is exceptional too. Like, yeah, you might the wind might stuff you up on on a few things, but yeah, it's it's exceptional hunting in September and October, and or mid August for that matter too. You still you still have them feeding out on the swamps, or they're bedded up in creeks. You've got all these different options. Yeah, going a little bit later in the October season, you are starting to risk, you know, obviously rainstorms and stuff like that, aren't you? So that can play another whole part yep. as well. Yeah, yeah, that definitely, like, if you get sort of 40, 40 mil of rain, um, it can destroy the next day hunting. But in saying that, I've always, I've also found out that that them showers of rain bring the sows into season. Um, so you head to where the sows and suckers are and you usually find a boar sniffing around a sow. Yep, yep. That can make it some pretty interesting hunting when you've got a few boars fighting over a sow that can, you can get pretty... Uh pretty full on oh yeah it's a it'd probably be the one of the best things best ways to hunt hunt boars i reckon when they're in themselves fighting and bluing and and whatnot it's it's exciting stuff oh definitely no it's uh up there and in the hills you can't you can't beat that kind of season when the when the sows are in and um yeah you just don't know what's going to happen in front of you really no that's it always makes my heart pump anyway definitely so, mate, how do people get hold of you? Um, what's the best way to follow, follow yourself and, and, and obviously the, the success you have, um, you know, with your clients and um, and if they want to talk to you further in regarding to, to booking a hunt or, or want a bit more information on, on uh, what you can offer them? So you can jump on the web web page, which is Cuyuga Broadhead 
www.ghostbusters.com.au forward slash adventures and that gives you sort of a rundown on some information you can also contact me through there um, also got Facebook and Instagram profiles of Cayuga Adventures and you can contact me through there as well um, for more information if you need to Awesome, mate. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Um, I know it was a, a little bit to organise and, and I'll, you know, obviously uh, first for both of us. So, um, you know, I really appreciate your time and and uh, and filling us in. And um, we'll certainly have to catch up later in the year to to find out how the season went and, um, yeah, hear, hear a few more stories, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. it was, um, yeah, good. Really good. Awesome, mate. Well, guys, everyone, if um, you know you want to get on to Matt, um, follow him on his Instagram channel, give him a call, jump on his website. Um, he runs an awesome deal up there. He's got some great guides up there this year. Um, you'll have an absolute ball of a trip. Um, I, I love the place up there. Um, as I said, if it just wasn't September, but um, next year it could be on the card. So once again, Matt, thanks for your time, and um, we'll catch up soon. Thanks very much, Albert. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hunting Camp Down Under. Send me a direct message with any general questions or further information on any of the topics that were discussed during the podcast. Or if you have a great story to tell and would like to share it, be sure to hit me up. I'd love to have you on the podcast. You can also email me at huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com. That's it from me this week. May the hunting gods be with you on your next adventure. Bye for now.